0: When growth is, is um, stagnating, you need technology to give it a, a growth spurt. Southeast Asian countries are mostly looking at this, not so much at the safeguards uh, of misuse or abuse or even you know, unintended consequences of AI, but more on how do we get more and more people to use this uh, quicker and quicker so that we are not left behind in the global development race.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to Pretty Good Podcast, Digital Rights in the Asia-Pacific with Engaged Media. I am Red. And
2: I'm Sarah.
1: Most of the episodes, we have talked about digital technology that somehow relates to artificial intelligence. But something that we have not explored yet is how these AI technologies and frameworks are governed at the country and various levels of society.
2: Last December 10, Engage Media launched its report on governance of AI in Southeast Asia. And to talk more about the report, such as the challenges of governance in the region, as well as the challenges that different sectors face in ensuring it adheres to digital rights, we have with us for this episode the author of the report. And with that, here's our interview. Today, we are joined by Dr. Juni Tan, an independent policy researcher based in Kuala Lumpur. Her research and advocacy interests are broadly anchored in the areas of digital communication, human rights, and sustainable development. Juni has written extensively on digital rights and AI governance in the context of Southeast Asia, having authored a report with Engage Media on such last year. She has also participated in numerous international and regional fora on these topics. So Juni, thank you very much for joining us on Pretty Good Podcast.
1: Yeah,
0: thanks for having me.
1: So before we jump into the conversation, can you tell us about what exactly AI governance is?
0: It is how to govern uh, the technology, which is AI. And when we say govern, uh, we mean like making decisions uh, or determining where the technology is going uh, in, in in a broad sense. So uh, when we look at governance, there are things like um, uh, things that we can consider like who is doing the governing? Um, Is it um, the governments or is it um, the private sector, uh, who's who's always um, much quicker than governments? Um, And uh, we can look at also uh, things like how do we uh, restrict or safeguard certain things that could be harmful to uh, the public? Um, or uh, uh, maybe it can also be, how do we encourage people to take up this technology? Um, so it, it's quite broad. So uh, it's, it's a, an area that covers, like, for instance, ethics. Um, what is good and what is bad uh, when, when we think about technology. But um, it could also be something that's uh, harder, like regulations. Uh, or something that's sweeter, like um, you know, incentives. Uh, to, to, um, to kind of shape the direction where AI is going.
2: And to bring it closer to home, is there a difference uh, in context or in direction of AI governance in our region here in, in Southeast Asia?
0: Because of the cross-border nature um, of, of AI and and digital technology uh, in general, a lot of this governance is also cross-border. So that's a little bit, um, you know, complicated. Because if the producers of the technology is not within uh, Southeast Asia, or um, uh, it's or or you have also um, even within Southeast Asia's uh, uh, um, jurisdictions, some companies are in one country and not another. You know, so so there is definitely a cross-border uh, element to um, governing, um, and I think that in, within Southeast Asia, the focus on governance has um, been very much on uh, rapid adoption. Uh, how do we attract you know uh, more unicorns? How do we capitalize on the economic developing uh, development potential of AI? Um, And and that sort of thing, because if when when growth is is, um, stagnating or whatever, you need technology to give it a a growth spurt. And uh, Southeast Asian countries are mostly um, looking at this not so much at the safeguards uh, of misuse or abuse um, or even uh, unintended consequences of AI, but more on how do we get more and more people to use this uh, quicker and quicker so that we are not left behind in the global development race.
2: Has this changed um, in the past two years because of the pandemic? The report uh, on AI governance that you authored, which was published last year, was developed in the time of the pandemic. So based on these previous observations and now still being in the pandemic two years later are there changes that you have observed
0: uh i think the report was actually done during the pandemic um and uh, the pandemic is is a, a very interesting situation because um people have no other choice but to go online and go digital so there's definitely uh, a catalyst that, that has happened um, in, in just speeding up the whole process, right? Speeding up everyone um, because of working from home, because of the, uh, remote learning and things like that. Uh, and also because of contact tracing and things like that, you end up having to collect a lot of data and you end up having uh, to, to push a lot of people who were um, maybe gonna be a little bit slower in adoption into the digital spaces, um, where where now is is very much part of their lives. If they want to be able to have you know a reg- regular life and um, also have social distancing as well, so so definitely it has sped up the the whole um, digital um, adoption process.
1: So the assumption here, as you mentioned previously, is that governments or and society in general are seeing ai as something for growth generally something positive something that can help us navigate challenges like covid-19 for example but before we get into the details and even the solutions can you tell us about how things can go horribly wrong if ai governance is not done in the ways that you have uh, suggested in your report
0: our engagement in like standard settings uh, fora and things like that are, are pretty limited um, we, we have to essentially look at um, the application context uh, instead of I mean of course there, there are so many ways of doing governance but uh, in in a way that is, is probably more suitable and more accessible to us is, is to really look at um, the situation that we're in and look at safeguards uh, so so that's one thing. That uh, that there are limitations in, in how uh, we govern. Uh, that's uh, one thing, and the other thing is uh, if if we are really serious um, in in trying to use technology to bring um, to reap potential benefits of uh, the technology, we really need to consider um, the the potential uh, risks and harms as well, right, uh, on on society, um, and uh, that that. That's a, a big range, of course, because if you look at the types of AI, then you'll end up with a lot of different types of risks and harms. Um, so, like for instance, um, the harms of, say, um, driverless cars, autonomous um, you know, driving uh, would be a bit different from the harms of, uh, say, deepfakes, uh, which is that media manipulation uh, with AI. So, so what I'm trying to drive at is that it's, it's really much rooted in the application context of what the AI does and uh, where it's doing its thing. Like, for instance, if it's in courts, uh, that, that is going to be churning out, um, you know, uh, the, the, if, if this person is a criminal or not based on AI, uh, the implications are quite different and, and uh, dangerous in their own ways.
1: You mentioned this idea in in your report, the importance of situating AI within a context rather than forcing um, every context, no matter the difference, into a framework that's just a plug-and-play sort of AI. I think this is a very important concept, and I'd like uh, you to explain some more how this can be avoided. You already started to talk about it, like different applications, for example, but what more can you say about this?
0: So um, inside of the report, there's actually I, I drew from uh, um, AI researcher Kai-Fu Lee, and uh, it's uh, his his, his um, looking at four different types of AI applications. So I think that that's a good place to start, uh, just just to at least uh, have have us uh, appreciate the range of, of what AI can do and and uh, different types of applications. So there is internet AI where it's like basically personalized recommendation systems. Um, Uh, ranging from say amazon recommending for you what to buy uh, to facebook recommending for you on on the content what to read um and 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 then there is like the business ai where businesses um or within different sectors they have historical or structured data like for instance in hospitals they have you know data of patients and all of that or in banks they have data of clients and all of that that they can optimize and you know they, they can uh, generate insights um, out of that and use that to predict uh, what's gonna happen who's gonna default or who's gonna I mean that's a big can of worms but in any case uh, you, you uh, get my get my drift that the uh, business AI is different from internet AI and then the third one which I remember I think is uh, perception AI which uh, is where the facial recognition stuff um, is is where AI can perceive its surroundings. So you have um, the, the sight, the facial recognition, you have the sound, you know, uh, speech, um, uh, text to speech, speech to text, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, um, and that's a different uh, category and different sets of, of applications as well. And lastly, I think it was the autonomous AI. And so uh, being autonomous, you, you combine all of that first three um, into robotics, where then you have, like, factories that can operate on their own, you know, like with the robotic arms and things like that. Yeah, so so that's, like, the range of different applications uh, that, that at least, you know, that we have. And then you're going to have to plug uh, that into the situational context, like, for instance, um, how does that apply in, say, the Malaysian context? If um, you want to install, like, say, facial recognition um, cameras all over the city and then connect that to our, our police system, um, what 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 would that actually imply? What can uh, what what can the police do or not do with the data with, with people's faces, you know, that sort of thing? So. Then we would also be looking at the different types of vehicles of governing. So, um, uh, as I, I mentioned, I, I wanted to put this point through, which is um, we don't actually have to reinvent all of our, our, our regulations and all of our policies. Because, you know, essentially AI or say digital technology in, in general is, is kind of like a layer. That is um, the society will have to sit on anyway to use this um, technology to to do whatever that we're, we're, we're doing that we've been doing and a lot of those um, considerations and and legal uh, constraints and all of that we've already have um, uh, we have in place um, say uh, I don't know business and human rights is, is slowly coming up um, you have like digital trade um, so so basically, uh, that sort of rules being negotiated at the international level. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel in um, in having a big AI act or a, a big AI policy or whatever it is. Just try to apply it on whatever that you have um, in, say, road safety or intellectual property rights or tax or, you know, that sort of thing. So, so this is uh, a, obviously a very... Uh, uh, quite a monumental task because um, it's very interdisciplinary it's very much um, you know cross domain as well so you need um, the tech people to understand um, the the context um, that is in uh, like the, the technology is going to be applied in like of course like for instance in hospitals um, they need to understand um, the, what are the implications of their technologies being used in hospitals or in um, like say uh, financial institutions um, or you know on roads, it's a civil society from different sectors also with their different uh, perspectives and angles would be able to come in and, and say, we think that this technology might be dangerous or might be risky from this angle, um, from a perspective of persons with disabilities, or you know, from the perspective of, um, of people who are underprivileged. And and so, yeah, it is something that's very interdisciplinary, it's something that's very cross sectoral. uh, And to me, it's very locally rooted, like where it's applied.
1: One of the other topics that you've done research on is digital rights. And I remember uh, frameworks that you have used to define digital rights. Is it fair then to compare what you have just shared with us um, to how digital rights as a concept can be? situated within human rights framework so that it could be understood better um, in the way that, say, AI and AI governance can work within existing laws in a certain context and existing norms and cultures and so on. Is that a fair comparison?
0: Um, There are people uh, actively pushing for human rights, uh, the the use of human rights framework in uh, the area of, say, AI ethics and AI governance. Because uh, indeed, it already has you know, um, the, the, whole, um, the, the whole history and, and all of the instruments that have been developed over the years and all of that. So I think that that's a, a pretty um, good start uh, uh, in, in uh, really uh, looking at what's important, let's say, right? Um, for, for the UDHR, it lays out what is important as um, rights that we have as humans and that's that's pretty important for us to know that the use of technology should not violate these rights. But then again, there's also um, some people who are uh, thinking that um, uh, the UDHR uh, is, is just a start, and then you 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 also have to you know apply it. You know, UDHR comes with its own sets of challenges as well, um, and uh, we need to extend that even further uh, and and really. As as in in, uh, going back to context, situated in the context, uh, and and cover um, uh, the yeah the the uh, what what is not like um, uh, a cookie cutter UDHR model, if that makes any sense.
2: And thank you for mentioning that because actually in that report, which I very much um, also enjoyed, you also narrated the challenges in. Um, localizing these um, these frameworks and the universal definition of human rights in the Southeast Asian context, which is also very much what the your report on AI governance is trying to do. Are there shared challenges there that you see intersections that are unique to the Southeast Asian context? And if there are, uh, could you please elaborate on some of them?
0: Um... I think that in general we have to uh, at least um, acknowledge that um, our governments do have their own ways of doing things and um, hoisting um, human rights on them has not always been very successful. There are limitations basically um, in, in saying that we deserve these rights and then on the other hand um, there are violations uh, on power, uh, by, by power holders uh, whether it's the state or uh, whether it's um, you know, uh, powerful players in the market. Um, that that um, what I'm trying to say is that even with or without AI, uh, that's already there. So you're 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 dealing with in, um, uh, essentially uh, problems that are just um, with or without AI, we'll have to deal with anyway. So those are those are certain challenges. Um, so uh, I mean, there are reports, of course, following um, authoritarianism and and all of that. We we can also look at paternalism. Um, you know, uh, if, if that's the word, um, where, where the governments govern in a... that uh, like we are uh, a nanny state, for instance, and then um, we uh, take care of you in a certain way, and uh, we price national security over, uh, you know, uh, privacy, things like that, that sometimes this is not um, seen as being authoritarian, but seen as just juggling between national security, Um, and uh, and, and individual privacy.
1: So is it fair, based on what you said, to think that the extension of AI governance from the usual governance, the, the overall governance of a country, is fair to expect? If a country is authoritarian, you can expect an AI governance that's pretty authoritarian. If a country has a corrupt government, then corruption in AI governance is also something you can expect if technological adoption in the country is not good, then AI governance will similarly be lagging. Is this a, a fair assessment?
0: That would be kind of the contextual background that AI is coming into. So, um, so definitely uh, this is something to be considered, but of course with AI, there's also the private sector to consider. So um, that, that's, uh, and also because they're much quicker and they're usually the ones who have the expertise. Uh, on, on, you know, how we should apply this and all of that, and and so, um, so it's just not just the government uh, that's that's just going to be like applying these technologies, but they're they're working also with the private sector, uh, which um, of course is a double-edged sword because um, you 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 have these guys who are very powerful who might not know the local context, um, bringing in a technology that that might have unintended consequences. So, so um, there are certain risks and harms coming from their end, even if they might not have, you know, the same, you know, uh, authoritarian edge, <laughs> um, or let's just say, you know, they they might not care about national security as much. Um, but uh, yeah, then who is going to govern them, right? So, so it, it's all of these different players at play, and um, uh, we, we just really need to make sure that uh, the people's. Um safety and the people's uh, human rights are actually being taken into account yeah
2: it's good that you mentioned the um, the private sector so and just want to contextualize this in what you previously mentioned about the different kind groupings of AI like internet AI business AI, and how governing them may have different there may be different um, regulations so to speak, depending on the context. if the private sector is faster at adopting. These regulations and presumably they will implement more with business AI, like how they do business and such, and recommendations. Will there then be a disconnect in the in the AI governance of the country as a whole? And to follow up that question, what does that then mean for the country and ensuring the proper governance and proper um, upholding of digital rights?
0: Uh, when you say disconnect, can you elaborate on that?
2: Um, I mean that um, there are different groupings of AI and uh, they may have different, uh, There, you need to be more specialized in uh, how you implement these governing measures as they are they're, they're contextual. With the private sector who may be more involved in the business kind of AI and they are quicker to adapt these new regulations, there may be a disconnect between regulations there and governance there versus regu- governance around data collection and um, other um, internet ai for just a, just an example so how do we um, how do countries adapt it and are there implications uh, to digital rights as well
0: within the report it was found that um, the, the, the region hasn't really taken it up very quickly in terms of private sector especially um, i think that uh, now that we have covet um, the, the businesses would have to adapt but it's it's more like uh, adapting to uh, try to survive uh, more than adapting to try to get business insights. So um, that's, that's one thing to consider what size of the enterprise would probably matter. So, if we look at the SMEs, for instance, um, and and this is connected to regulations as well, because we don't we want to safeguard the people's um, uh, uh, rights and safety and all of that, but we also don't want to completely strangle our own SMEs uh, with with uh, compliance, right? So, um, so so in that sense, uh, there there is this that uh, that that we are uh, having a lot of SMEs uh, within um, our our region and uh, they need to work um, with the government to uh, come up with reasonable you know, regulations that they can uh, accommodate and, and, um, and adapt to and, uh, and at the same time uh, they would be able to take on board uh, AI uh, yet be safe, right? So this is like a really complicated matter uh, and it, 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 it does vary from sector to sector because, for instance, um, you would expect uh, the medical sector and the financial sector to have like, tighter regulations, um, because, just because of how they are, as uh, uh, they are, that you would have a tighter you know, data governance and, 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 uh, on, on patient data and on you know, your client's data and all of that. And you might have um, not as stringent sort of um, uh, regulations in other aspects, um, other types of businesses. So that's my perspective when we talk about, like, you know, regulating uh, from a business AI point of view. But of course, if we look at, say, internet AI, where you have like the unicorns and, and like, because it's very much the winner takes all model. So the bigger platforms will, will end up being uh, monopoli- uh, monopolizing a lion's share of, of um, the users, and they they tend to grow very big. Uh, that would be a different type of um, of, of animal that we're looking at.
2: There seems to still be the disconnect, though. I'm just, I bring it up because I'm concerned that if the business sector has more stringent, or the private sector or other sectors of society have more stringent protections in place to protect users. And then you have, let's say, in the context of the pandemic where it's become a national government um, mandate and response, where those same stringent measures to protect rights are not in place, then... It feels so dangerous that you're, that users, we, and the region are protected in some areas if we're only in this lane, but then in other aspects of our lives are not. So um, that's, uh, that was the um, point I was trying to make and I wanted to get your opinion on that.
0: Right. So what you're saying is that governments having having uh, less regulations on uh, how data governance is, like protection of, of uh, personal data versus the private mm-hmm. sector. Right. So um, this is something that has is, is, uh, is, is always been tricky, uh, very quickly, within the context of Southeast Asia. Um, and yeah, because they are, uh, after all, the ones who are making the regulations. Um, and and that, that is something that we have to consistently you know, uh, fight for and champion. Um, to, to protect our data and, and, for instance, the situation with Singapore, with their government saying that they would use the uh, COVID um, collected data, uh, I mean, contact tracing data to, uh, for enforcement. Um, that, that is really not, um, not cool. <laughs> it's not part of the deal. Um, but yeah, uh, we have seen that it happens that um, the governments uh, can uh, reach into the pockets of different agencies to get their data uh, without being fettered by regulations uh, as, as uh, the private sector is. Um, with regards to this, I think that somebody within uh, the respondents was saying that um, we also have to consider that uh, interagency sharing of data, uh, that some countries do have uh, limitations of that, even though they are um, trying to work on that as well. And we have to remember is that the government is not one uh, thing. It's made out of many different moving parts, and different agencies have different mandates and, and different ways of doing things. Um, and uh, it, it does take a bit of... Um, that. There, there are certain um, uh, restrictions that they have forms to be filled and all of that that, that provides that sort of bureaucratic friction. Um, but yes, um, I think that if um, uh, the police wants your data, possibly they can actually get it
1: so it's one thing for states or authorities to regulate and even bully like these private organizations for data uh, but it's another for states to regulate the ai technology makers uh, usually from the us and china and this is one of the main challenges that you have discussed in your report as well. We don't create and govern the technology that eventually we use. Uh, Can you talk a bit more about this? Uh, Because I think it really contrasts with that ideal of situating AI within context rather than the other way around.
0: Right. Uh, actually, it is it, not contradictory. It is quite connected. Um, in that we do not possibly have the um, the the power to to restrict how algorithms are made, uh, the explainability of it, you know, um, the 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 fairness, you know, all of that stuff, um, because we are not part of the standard setting bodies, um, where they hammer out the, uh, the 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 restrictions of what you can and cannot do. With the technology. So, uh, we don't have the capacity to, to be in the part of these standard setting uh, sort of uh, uh, arenas. Um, but uh, if we like, reel it back in and look at the application context, there are definitely things that we can, uh, that are within our control. Uh, so, so, regulations, for instance, you have laws at every different level uh, of what you can and cannot do with the technology. Um, like for instance, certain, uh, certain provinces or certain states uh, might um, decide that we don't want facial recognition in our state. You know? so, so that's like one way to go about it. That okay, you can do whatever you want in the US or in China. But within um, the ge- geographical you know, uh, boundaries of, of this uh, jurisdiction, we don't want to use this. Or we want to use it in a very specific way. We want to restrict the use of this. So, so that's um, situating it within the context, right? And then the other things that we could do is um, to work on data governance, um, on, on what to collect, what not to collect, you know. Um, and and um, there is a lot of things that we still can do. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, that doesn't require uh, us. I, I mean, of course, within it would be uh, better if we could be part of those standard-setting committees and all of that. Um, to to go to you know the technology and shape it of course right because otherwise you've already lost um, some of that battle when the technology comes to you is is in a certain way right is is um uh, is it privacy by design well we don't know or we 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 don't uh, have a say in that maybe it is maybe it's not right the choices are limited. But it's also really costly um, to put somebody uh, in one of those those uh, like say ISO, IEEE, or whatever it is to, to have a voice. It's very, it's very expensive to, um, to ship people over or it's like the time zones are different, especially when we're not actually a, a major manufacturing um, like or producer uh, within this region. So really, uh, is it worthwhile for Malaysia to put somebody there? when we are not even making that technology that that will be how for instance uh, the government or the company uh, might be thinking right let let them figure it out and then we'll just get whatever they they have decided would be the more reasonable or logical thing to do maybe it's not very ideal but but there's a reason for that and i think that that's valid but then you know coming back to the application context uh, we know um much better than other people, what's going on with our neighbourhood, with our city, with our country, and uh, that is within our grasp. That is, um, the policy making within that is actually what we can deal with. Like at the city level, we can talk to our city councils, at uh, uh, the state level, uh, that there would be, you know, of course it requires also uh, capacity of, of this type, the policy making, a policy advocacy sort of capacity. Um, and of course, it requires, for instance, some some knowledge of the tech, uh, and and you know uh, some some risks and harms uh, associated with the tech. But um, yeah, you 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 can work from there. Uh, you you can build that instead of you know trying to lobby the big uh, companies, which is a different battlefield. Um, which we also can go if we have you know the capacity. But um, sometimes we gotta pick our battles, basically.
1: One of the things that's is within the control of countries and states, is whether they take the AI technology and AI governance frameworks from either the US or China. So can you tell us the difference of these choices?
0: Um, there is also, of course, um, the European kind of framework, right? So uh, so you, you would have to, they have different, um, in, in a way, cultural backgrounds and things like that. But I guess in general, um, the the Chinese one is, is very much like state governed uh, and, and state directed. And when I say state, I mean Chinese state. Um, and then the U.S. is more uh, less affair in that um, the, the the private sector, the tech giants are the ones who are taking the lead. And then, uh, whereas the EU is also trying to rein in um, uh, the influence of these big tech companies uh, with with, uh, things like the GDPR and the Digital Services Act, Digital Markets Act, and that sort of thing. So uh, I think that um, different countries, because they are all big players, are trying to do it in different ways. Um, Like, for instance, China, for instance, uh, has, has seemed to be better at reining in their big tech. Um, their their power is as strong as that, um, whereas, whereas in the US um, we uh, are are kind of under the ma- mercy of, of the model of surveillance capitalism. Um, and, uh, and of course, you know, going back to China, it's um, on uh, some sort of digital authoritarianism as well, right? Um, uh, the social credit system and all of that. So um, when we look at this, I guess we would Uh, also have to look at it from different levels that we stand. Like, for instance, uh, if if we're individuals like you and I, uh, and we're we're concerned about where our data is going towards, um, and uh, what is the safest way for me, um, so so we would have different considerations whether we trust uh, the Chinese companies or uh, the the US companies more, or even the European companies more, um, as opposed to, for instance, the governments, who will have different um, considerations of, of why they might choose uh, one country's uh, companies more than others um, when, it, when, when it comes to digital infrastructure. right? Um, so so from, from that point of view, it would be looking at which company or which country um, is able to give me more value for my money. You know, if I don't really care so much about uh, you know, um, their, their stance on, on privacy by design or their stance on human rights violating, um, you know, that, that sort of stuff, if as a country and I need to have a, a certain uh, amount of budget to use um, for, for whatever it is, my transportation system within the city or you know, um, my port or whatever it is, uh, which um, should I choose? So I think that there was one paper uh, that I also cited within the, um, one of the articles that I wrote was um, that uh, for countries like Malaysia, for instance, um, uh, the West, let's say, uh, say um, who, who brand themselves as being more you know, respectful of human rights, privacy and all of that um, are just not giving a good enough deal in order to counter what China is able to offer. So um, all things considered, if they have a certain budget um, and they have uh, certain developmental plans that they have in mind, who is going to give me a better deal? So that would be their level of thinking, uh, and then we would have our level of considerations uh, as users.
2: Yeah, Thank you for elaborating on those differences and the implications of these choices. And I know it's very difficult. There's no right answer, really. and. Much as how there's no one-size-fits-all for AI governance, there is no one-size-fits-all in terms of your choice of vendor for the AI technologies. Um, given this, though, how can different sectors of society in the region work towards a more fair and just system of AI governance? You had already mentioned a bit of it, how the onus is on us to be more active in policymaking, read up more on the topic. But are there any other ways where we can engage and be part of um, voicing out our concerns and our um, hopeful solutions and problems to people who can actually make these
0: decisions. From the point of view of civil society? Yes. Okay. So uh, one of the things uh, that has uh, been given as a recommendation from one of the respondents within the study, which I thought was um, made a lot of sense, is that Usually um, within different cities, there are uh, associations, like interest groups working on AI. Um, so in Indonesia, for instance, there's like the National Big Data Association or something like that, right? So these are interest groups that are focused on the topic, the, the tech topic. And uh, I'm, I'm sure also that uh, within other cities within Southeast Asia, there are uh, probably these groups. Um, and I think that one of the ways that we can um, uh, engage is actually with these groups as well you know because they would already um, be engaging with the government in, in, in various uh, aspects of tech because they would be the ones that the government would engage with on consultations and things like that um, and so um, connecting with these groups especially if they're big groups uh, it's is, um, useful to exchange capacities right So on one hand, you have um, our civil society people who are very competent in um, uh, human rights and in the problems on the ground and what should be and uh, what we should protect and things like that. And on the other hand, you have these tech guys who really know um, know, the ins and outs of the systems um, and uh, uh, they would be trying to influence the government to to go towards uh, where they want the technology to develop. So making networks with these people um, would be quite useful um, to learn from each other, uh, and and to to also impress upon them uh, the fact that we need safeguards as well, uh, and it's not only about the technology but also its consequences. You know. So so this is like one of the ways that that we could go about it. I mean, other ways is. is, um, I guess uh, to, to do more research on, on to actually uh, get more lived experiences um, of people working uh, with these problems. Basically, to make connections with the techies would be one way to go about it. Um, so, because they would know um, the technology while we know what we want to protect, right? And then um, I think that there would also be connections between the techies and um, the government agencies that are working with tech. So that there would be some some natural in- inroads from there, right, um, uh, so to speak. So so this is one way of of um, reaching out beyond uh, what we're comfortable with, um, and and going towards uh, making alliances with uh, allies that we we've we've never really worked with.
2: It's good that you mentioned um, reaching outside of our comfort zones and encouraging these conversations. You also mentioned earlier that it's good to also talk to people outside of your countries and other experts so that more knowledge the more knowledge is shared and the better it can be i want to ask what is one thing one thing you want to highlight that should be shared amongst countries in southeast asia of course everyone's specific countries there are different contexts but then what is a common um thought that should be shared across the region and should be emphasized when people are also wanting to participate and to
0: have their voices heard. It would always be um, looking at how technology fits into our society and using our our existing mechanisms to govern uh, the technology, right? So, so instead of thinking about this thing as you know, something that's so far away in another country, an, an, an AI-producing country, uh, where, where we don't have you know, access to their, their rules and we don't have access to the international standards and all of that, I think we should bring our sites back to where we are uh, and try to work out if there are um, existing things like, for instance, um, public procurement mechanisms um, that that we can actually look at uh, and 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 um, and try to influence, you know, uh, when when the city is trying to, for instance, build in a, an intelligent transportation system, is, is there any way that I can influence um, this procurement process, you know? So so uh, that would really uh, bring it back to where we are, and I think that this would then um, solve in a way uh, not solve but but make, make clear the problem of um, uh, how, how do we situ- how do we root technology to its application context you know at, at what level are we applying it is it at the school level even you know um, do I get a say in, in what technology gets applied in my school can I can I work you know against that? Um, or, or, you know, as I said, city level, state level, country level, even at the international level. It's just different levels of policymaking uh, that that we can um, try to influence.
1: You mentioned the importance of doing more research, gathering more lived experiences. Can you tell us about important research directions that uh, people who are doing work on AI or AI governance should look at, And maybe these are some things that you've already been thinking about. Like, what would you wish to be working on um, to follow up on this uh, work on the AI governance report that you have recently made?
0: Mm -hmm. So um, um, there is actually a new project. We want to collect stories about how uh, workers within Asia grapple with AI. We are still um, in the process of shaping it up, but just just sharing very initial thoughts, like how would platform workers try to circumvent the platform um, uh, constraints, for instance, uh, if 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 um, to 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 skew it towards um, what they want. Uh, and how, how have the platforms actually even improved their lives in certain ways? Uh, or because you know, um, the, the economy in Southeast Asia is mainly informal anyway. Let's face it. Um, and, and so you know, we, we, we would not have uh, access to that sort of like a really good social protection system, informal economy anyway. So how, how does um, these, uh, how do these workers um, work with that? How do they organize? Even you know, so so these are the types of um, one of the projects that I, I'm, I'm starting, uh, which is uh, to to look at lived experiences of how uh, people deal with AI, right? Um, this this um, machine that they have uh, very little idea of what's going on behind, and and they can just you know try try to do their best on, on how to make their best out of it, yeah. So um, that's that's one way of of going about you know. Um, Collecting lived experiences. Um, some of my uh, other friends from social sciences would say that you need to have an ethnographic, you know, sort of uh, um, overview from the beginning of the life cycle of creating the project up to the rollout, the deployment, and the using of it to really understand how this thing um, is is being shaped by the entire life cycle, uh, the chain of events that go through. You know uh, the data uh, collection the data labeling you know all of that stuff we need to know how it's happening how it's going but this is of course a, a, a task that's quite uh, big and um, uh, somebody in civil society can can maybe look at it and give us some funding to do it <laughs> thank
2: you very much for sharing that we look forward to reading up that research when it does come out so we'll be sure also to link uh, Junie's website with links to the reports mentioned in this episode and other relevant links to the topic at hand with the accompanying blog post to this episode and also to the audience if you are in fact working on this research please let us know we would be very much interested to read about it and to share it also with our communities and networks so Juni, thank you very much for joining us and we look forward again to reading what's next
0: Okay. All right. Thanks so much. It's been nice talking to you
1: guys. It's always a pleasure to hear the thoughts or read the thoughts of Dr. Juni, and uh, this conversation was no different. My main takeaway is that AI cannot be a one-size-fits-all thing when it comes to governance. There are particular contexts that need to be respected. And the challenge here, though, is with a difference in context, there has to be experts who understand the nuances of such contexts. And we're not also saying that just because contexts are different, there can't be that cross-pollination of ideas of how AI governance can be done well. Um, So I look forward to more research on this topic being done. to compare and contrast what works in some contexts and what does not. Sarah, what do you think?
2: One thing I really want to emphasize here is Juni's own emphasis of the importance of the lived experiences of individuals here in our region. Just because we in the region are not necessarily the biggest producers or manufacturers of these AI technologies does not mean that our opinions and our thoughts on AI governance and how this can be adapted to our circumstances are any less valid. And so ensuring that these voices are heard and that there are mechanisms in place to make sure that we are part of the conversation, that is definitely something that we have to strive towards. And if they're not there yet in your own country, then perhaps this is also a wake-up call for us and maybe we ourselves can also just be, be, be proactive about it and to start So that, I think, I think we are in agreement there. And with that, um, if you want to learn more about Engage Media's AI initiatives, uh, head on over to engagemedia.org slash AI. And for other episodes of Pretty Good Podcast, link is easy, same, engagemedia.org slash podcast. Uh, This podcast is available wherever you can listen to your podcast and on cinemata.org. With that, till the next episode.